Hey drivers, are you thinking about becoming a lease operator? Well, NCI is leasing out one to two year old Kenworth T680 double bunk condo tractors, fully loaded with APU and fridge. Plus, the company is owned by their own product. That's right, they deliver mainly their own freight, which means your business will be thriving for a long time to come. 844-311-7076. That's 844-311-7076. And tell them Talk CDL sent you. Please, thank you. Hey, drivers. Have you thought about becoming your own company? Have you thought you'd like to get your own authority? and DOT number, but you just don't know how to go about doing it? Well, call J.J. Keller and Associates. They can help you get the proper registration and credentials that you need to operate legally. They protect drivers from penalties and out-of-service orders as a result of not having the proper authority. They save drivers time by filing their paperwork and ensuring everything is correct. Drivers, they also help you with unified carrier registration, U.S. DOT and MC numbers, MCS 150 updates, year-around authority monitoring, and plenty more. Drivers, if you're looking to become your own company and you want your own authority number and DOT number today, call J.J. Keller & Associates at 888-601-2017. That's 888-601-2017 and tell them Talk CDL sent you. Thank you. So what makes you think that a Kenworth is better than a Peterbilt? (laughs) So we were off mic and you were saying it. So I thought before we got on here, if you're an expert at this, what really would make you say that? Because usually you always say I say the opposite than you do. (laughs) So I just said the opposite. Because, you know, if you think of the Reese's commercials, the old ones, when it says, you got chocolate in my peanut butter. Well, maybe you got peanut butter on my chocolate. Well, I just said the opposite of what you said. Okay, so you really know nothing. Which one's really better? No. So, and you. Okay. All right. I mean, I could think of different things, but down to the real good basics of it, no, they've changed so much. I mean, we had what, a W900 when we had one? Isn't that what we had? No. What did we What did we <laughs> what was it? Western Star? No, no, no. The blue one. California Dreaming or whatever it was called. It was Wait, that was a T two thousand. You talking about the 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 When we did that short stint yeah, with a, a partner? That was not a W nine hundred. You uh. You cra- <laughs> <See>? crazy girl. <laughs> Told you. <laughs> no, my roots are not blonde. <laughs> I can't even believe you just mistaked an anteater for a W900. I swear that it was that way. I could have sworn you had told me it was a W9. <laughs> I mean, I, I got to admit, you were a young girl back then, so. I didn't know nothing. Okay, we're, we're going to move on. <laughs> yes, Ruthann's... You know, it's a full moon. She's a, I'm sorry, she's a host for a podcast in trucking. All right, so... But it's a full moon, so... Is it a full moon? Yes. I thought tomorrow was supposed to be full moon. No, it's full out there. Okay. All right, well, I'm, I'm just going to roll along here. I was uh, looking at a few things, and... Actually, one of these things I was reading, there was a title in uh, CDL Life. It said, Hundreds of truckers 
Uh, it, says, it says hundreds of truckers convoy to say goodbye to a company founder suffering from cancer. Now, I'll read this. It's very short. Um, it says, last week, friends and employees turned out in droves to show love and respect for a trucking company founder battling cancer. So he's not, he hasn't passed away yet. Mm-hmm. Now, it says on May 1st, uh, around 300 vehicles convoyed past the home of Vernon Herb. He's 84. So he's, he's lived a full life um, in Ontario, Canada. And just for educational purposes, if you read the Bible, the Bible actually says man's average lifespan will be 70 to 80. So all through time in the world, the average man's life, if you look at all through time, uh, somebody dies at 10, somebody dies at 100, it, it, everything has equaled out to 70 to 80. Mm-hmm. So this man has lived above the average life expectancy, and he's going to pass away of cancer. Uh, and it says Herb is f- uh, fighting an aggressive form of cancer. So they had uh, uh, convoyed around his house and paid tribute to him. It says Herb founded Herb Transport in 1959 with a single dump truck, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. It says the company now employs around 1,500. Wow. You can view the touching video of the convoy in Herb's honor, and it looks like it's on YouTube. Now... The reason that I uh, brought this up was because I used to work for a company called Smithway Motor Express, mm-hmm. with SMX, mm-hmm. and the owner, his name was Bill Smith. Mm-hmm. I didn't know him personally because I worked as an outside agent, but that guy was so well talked about by everybody at that at that place. At the company, yeah. I forget how many trucks they had, hundreds, maybe a thousand. I don't even remember. Well, if you remember, Bill had leukemia. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had to get, um, I guess, what is it, dialysis? Where they he take got, your blood out and they clean it and then they put new blood. Yeah, blood he, in. yeah he got blood transfusions and stuff. Anyway, so he um, went ahead and had this monthly blood transfusion and I guess it was a lot of pain and one day like a couple of guys told me Bill said he's gonna I think he was gonna do two more months he was gonna take his kids and or his grandkids rather they had a cabin in Colorado He was gonna take them and spend a month with them and just enjoy Mm -hmm. and then he was gonna stop then he was going to stop the dialysis. Mm-hmm. And then basically, of course, that would kill him. And he did. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just, just this article here kind of reminded me of it. It does. It does. And and Bill, I mean, it sounds like this this Vernon Herb, I don't, I've never even heard of them because they're Canadian-based. Sounds like it's a great, great owner boss. Uh, started with one truck. I love those stories. Yeah. There's a lot of owners that you look at their company, they got three, 400 cu- trucks, a thousand trucks, but a lot of people don't realize this is how trucking companies are built. Yeah. For all, yeah. For all you truck drivers out there, you guys that are thinking about owning your own company someday, it's, 
it's possible. Yeah, the, it's always there. A lot of the companies, a lot of them, they started out one or two small trucks. I mean, I'll use one that I know. Well, I don't know a, a lot about them, but the brothers that had what U.S. Express and there was another. They had the two of them, didn't they? And then they separated. Well, I know one brother owns U.S. Express, the other one owns Covenant, but I don't know how they got their start. I know Mike Starnes from MS Carriers started that company. He, yeah, he started with one. And they became a mega company, and then mm-hmm. Swift bought them out. There's another one that started that way. There's a lot of companies yeah, like I that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of them, but... I believe Dick Levy started that way. We knew Dick. Yeah. Um, there's companies out there that they literally start out with... Epps Transport's one. They started small. Yeah, they started smaller. They have a couple thousand trucks now. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of truck, a lot of trucking companies started out with one or two trucks with the owner pedaling freight. And uh, you know, you you buy another truck, put a driver in it, you pay him good. Next thing you know, you you get a company that's saying, "Hey, I need you to cover twenty loads a week." Next thing you know, you're taking out a loan. You're getting bought. More trucks. Or yeah, you're, you're get your loans getting bought, and you're you're now employing twenty trucks. And then next thing you know, you're hiring a dispatcher. Next thing you know, and it happens fast, you know. And next thing you know, you're growing. It, it yeah. It takes what it takes is is dedication, patience, and the fact of the knowledge of what you're trying to do. And if you know the trucking industry well enough to start out, you know how you want to treat people and how you, you can expand that way. That this, this person here. Vernon Herb. Right. He started with one truck. One dumb truck. And he's grown. That shows that he treated people properly to be able to get those, you know, to, to expand the way he did. You know, if you don't treat someone right, if you don't treat your employees right, if you don't treat people right, you're not going to expand because no one will be with you. Yeah. There's no doubt that to grow, especially in today's market, you, you better have a good rapport and a good package to grow with drivers. Um, but anyway, so you flash forward and here's another guy. He's going to die. Well, at 84, you're going to die of something soon. I mean, come on, let's be honest. Um, but and then again, he could have gone till he was 100. Who knows? But the bottom line is, it's a, it's kind of a, it's a, it's heartwarming to see that a guy starting, and it says in 1959. So that's uh, 71 years ago, right? Is 1950, wait, let's see, 40, 60, that'd be 61 years ago. So 61 years, this guy, 1959, before all of us were born, started a trucking company. I would love to see that first truck they... they so uh, he was 23? Um, I don't know. It's 84 minus 61. So was that, is that 23? Sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah. He bought his, had his first dump truck at 23. Yep. See? And that all it takes. It doesn't matter your age. It just matters your what your ambition is. Yeah. I mean, I'd like, to, I would love to know how the growth went. How long was he one truck? Mm-hmm. But it said 1959, a single dump truck. So hats off to you guys. And that's, that's a grading. Yes, this guy's at the end of his life, but probably 
probably isn't that sad of a story because he's he's at that age where we we're all going to pass. But the 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 great thing about it is he he leaves a great legacy. It sounds like when you got that many people showing up to say, "Hey, man, we're really gonna miss you, man. Thanks for the, you know, the company, blah blah blah." Um, that's a great encouragement for all these drivers that are listening. You know, get it. Don't be afraid. I'll tell you, the guys that never going to make it are the guys that are afraid to take a chance. Right. If you don't try, how do you know? And I tell people all the time, like, because you meet a lot of people that are afraid to take a chance. Mm-hmm. And I tell them all the time, I say, look, sometimes the best teacher, because a lot of people, they're like, I just got to know in my mind how it all works. How do I be, a, how, how I'm going to make money as an owner operator? I got to have the numbers and everything in my head. When sometimes if you just, a lot of people don't realize in almost anything you do, if you just have perseverance and hard work, you're going to survive. You're going to make you're it. Gonna, yeah, you're going to go further. Yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot of guys that should never be an owner-operator. Okay? They, they've they gotten trucks. And, and I'll just tell you the truth. I've met, uh, I've worked for companies over the years. I used to work for a company in Minnesota. And uh, it's a funny story. I actually hired a, uh, a driver that was a friend of mine, Roger. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was a company driver, and he's like, hey, I want to come over where you're at. I'm like, come on over, man. Um, we have a lease purchase. If you want to check it out, um, you know, gave him the name and number. He came and signed up. And uh, about a month later, he says to me, Troy, I, uh, I'm going to quit. I, uh, you can't make it here. I, I'm like, what's going on, buddy? And I knew that the reefer drivers were percentage, and they were doing well. Um, at the time. And he said, I just, I'm not making any money. I'm broke. He goes, I'm not blaming you. I'm like, well, how can you blame me? You just came over. And, uh, I said, let me, let me check something out. And I called his dispatcher and I said, what's going on Raj? And he said, um, he said, Troy, look at his Qualcomm. So I looked at it and, uh, <laughs> he was going home every four days, Right. And staying home for three, four days. <laughs> I call him and go, Raj. I said, dude, you used to be an OTR driver. I said, you, you stay out two, three weeks. I said, do you think because your name is owner-operator, you should go sit by the, the freaking mailbox and wait for your damn check? <laughs> no, he was cool. He was a paratrooper. <laughs> he was. He worked. For, he was actually in the 82nd Airborne. He's really super cool. And no, I know that. I was just visualizing. Well, I mean, that's what I said to him. I said, Roger. When you're an owner-operator, it means you work harder, mm-hmm. not less. Just because you're an owner-operator doesn't mean you're automatically making freaking money. I said, dude, you got to work. Mm-hmm. I said, you can't go home, and you sure can't come home for three, four days uh, every four or five days. Mm-hmm. And you know what? He ended up staying there as an owner for like two years and then ended up doing some local thing or something like that. But he actually did well after I had to talk with him. Mm-hmm. You know, And that's what I was saying about like encouragement. You look at this Vernon Herb. You look at Bill Smith, you look at Mike Starnes, you look at some of these guys that started with one or two trucks. They, And the key is, you know, you got to get freight somewhere. And you and just, you're, you know what? Here's the thing, truck drivers, I'll tell you this. You're no different than a broker. You're no different than an agent when it comes to getting freight. you got to knock on doors, okay, if you want to get your own authority and maybe lease onto somebody with a power only or whatever the case is mm-hmm. until and, – and, but – 
if you're if you got the mindset, you got to be knocking on doors. You got to figure out how to get some freight. Mm-hmm. Lead at least lead haul freight. Most trucking companies have what's called lead haul freight, and a lot of them, like for example, uh, maybe they're based in Atlanta, and maybe they. Uh, or like say they're based in the Carolinas or or Delaware or somewhere where a lot of chicken plants are, and maybe they're they're stationed and they haul uh, uh, you know chicken somewhere or whatever. Just giving you like for Tyson or for um, Purdue, and you know let's say you 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 have a truck and next thing you know you're 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 get in by knocking on the door and being okay. Well, they tell you no for a thousand times. You ask a thousand and one until you get your foot in the door. And try to get some loads, okay? And uh, next thing you know, you're you're hauling freight, and and you do a good job, like you said. Guess what? Now you can get more. Can you give me more loads? And what you do is you hire a driver and fast, and you got to take a chance. Mm-hmm. And then you you just build up. It's that simple. All you need is the freight to become a company. Yeah, I mean, it is. And and if you're in the industry long enough, you kind of have an idea on the freight lanes, on where some of the freight goes the most, or what freight moves easier, or there's an overabundance of it. So when you're in the industry long enough, you kind of get those ideas, you know, which is better. But you got to pay attention to that. You do. You have to pay attention to it. Right. See, a lot of drivers, they want to get their own truck. Some of them want to get a title. But but my, my opinion is... It's like this Vernon Herb. Why just get a truck to be an owner-operator when you can go further? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Why not just grow and, and do your thing? And, and I'm going to tell you, one of the secrets to the way these guys grow fast is to really, really pay well. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like some of your companies out there that, are, that don't pay worth a damn, but that's because they're already big. But right. I'll guarantee you when those companies were smaller, they paid better. I can assure you of that, or they would have never got the drivers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, and there's some companies, I'll tell you, um, there's some companies out there, you see them getting sold, and one of the sad things is the really, really good ones, they get absorbed by the bigger companies. Yeah. And then what happens is they tell them, oh, nothing's going to change, and then, of course, it they changes. They always change. Of course it yeah. changes, because they're buying, the, they're buying the, the customer, they're buying the equipment, and they're wanting the drivers. But then they realize, well, the company that we just bought out is paying 10 cents a mile more, mm-hmm. and I could have my driver delivering it for a lot less. Yeah, and or insurance is different. Right. And so that's how the good companies become crap companies. Mm-hmm. But then you have companies like this, like SMX, that they hung on, man, and they took care of their... I'm telling you, when when Bill Smith died, those drivers were doing very well. It was mm-hmm. a very loved customer uh, company. And you know who bought them out? Western Express. Mm-hmm. They're in, in Nashville. And I know I'm not here to put Western down, but I could tell you this. They, they were no SMX. Mm-hmm. They were nothing close to SMX. SMX was an awesome company. Western's a big student company. It's all, it's all to it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's some advice drivers. If you're looking to and grow a company, don't be afraid to knock on customer doors and take a chance. And, and trust me when I tell you this, you don't have to know everything in one day. None of these guys knew everything in one day. But no. what they did was they kept going and you learn as you go. And But but you'll never get anywhere if you don't take that first dang step. Right. I know some of these guys could probably make an I'm awesome I'm sure company. they could. I, should, I know sure. they can. Absolutely. I, yeah. And you got you know, when you're looking at the freight, look at the freight that's never going to go away. People are always going to have to eat. You know, so if you want to stay in the food, go ahead, stay in the food. People are always going to need clothing. They're always going to need certain products. The, you know, the fancy stuff, 
maybe not, you know, they're not always going to need that as much. It might pay really good for that one haul, but is it going to maintain and keep you going while you want to grow? Yeah, it's tough to get in. It's tough to get into certain things. I'll tell you one of the things that's a monopoly that I swear to you, drivers, if, if anybody can get into it. Harley Davidson. No, no actually <laughs> not, not really. I just, I just spit that out. Harley, so I, I think Harley used to be really exclusive. Their drivers used to make like crazy good money. But then next thing you know, U.S. Express and all those big companies are hauling Harley loads. So I don't know how great that is anymore. But I'll tell you what, what the industry is to get into. It's the thing we were into. Caskets. Those guys get insane money by the mile. They, there's two main presses in the United States, mm-hmm. okay, that stamp out the lids to caskets. Now, one is in Richmond, Indiana, and the other one's in Nashville, Tennessee, okay? And they are the casket capitals of the United States. And I used to haul for myself for Elder Light, and uh, they made corrugated caskets, but... Taking away the ca- take away the casket part of it and go to the rate part of it, the the money they were making is hand over fist. It is insane. I, I don't even know what it was, but I know it was probably triple of what everybody else is getting. It's just that good. But try to get into that industry. I'm not kidding you. You only you had three main carriers. You had Batesville, Yorkville, and Aurora. They were the big three casket carrying conglomerates and it's a monopoly believe me it ain't easy to get into it but if you guys can somehow wiggle into that i promise you lots of money um i want to move on uh to something i read earlier okay and uh this is kind of a little nutty but it doesn't surprise me it's a full moon anything i think that you call out right now can be a little nutty yeah but now listen to this uh, north carolina attorney general sues toe company for predatory booting of semi semi trucks i say good good for the the north carolina attorney general predatory booting predatory booting i'm gonna tell you this this company and and you know me i love i'll call anybody out i don't care it says authorities in north carolina are taking action against a tow company accused of booting and towing trucks hauling essential supplies during the coronavirus pandemic mm-hmm. i mean talk about Talk about ambulance chasers. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna, this is the truth. You have people, there's, when you say a job or a title in the United States, the word scumbag comes to mind. Obviously, lawyer. Lawyer is probably one of the number one. You say lawyer, people are thinking, uh-oh, mm-hmm. grab your wallet, mm-hmm. dirt bag, right? You say, Liar, sneaky. Yeah, used car salesman. Mm, he's, same thing. He's up there. Liar, sneaky. You know the joke they say, how do you know when a lawyer is lying? And it's the same with how do you know when a car salesman is lying, right? When his lips are moving. But when you say booter, you know, tow truck driver for semi-trucks, you, you, you literally can put him in that same category with the lawyers and the used car salesman. Oh, yeah. Anything that goes, like you know, like... It's like a repo guy. Right. You know what I mean? It's like the guy that... And I, I understand if you're not paying for your car, you know, they, they want their money too. But he's not looked at really good either. But the guy, the guy that's booting tractor trailers in a Walmart parking lot on a guy that's working for a living and sneaking up, sneaking up and doing it when the trucker's sleeping instead of at least giving him the benefit of the doubt and saying, hey, you can't park here. And they take their sign and hide it behind the bush so they could say that the sign's there, you just didn't see it. Mm-hmm. That guy's on the same category as law- lawyers. Well, yeah, like you said, that he's hauling essentials. Right now in this 
day and age, certain things are essential. And heck, I still haven't seen a, a spray of Lysol or hand sanitizer. Like those things are rare commodities right now. So if someone's hauling these essential products, you know, it's not just your food. It's not just. Yeah, I, I, I'll be honest with you. Um, I agree. I haven't seen a hand sanitizer in two months in a store. It's like, okay, somebody's sitting on something there. Right. But listen to this. Listen to this. Mm-hmm. Attorney General Josh Stein or Steen, I don't know. How would you pronounce S-T-E-I-N? Steen or Stein? I guess it's it's tomato, tomato. Mm-hmm. Is it? Okay. Josh Stein announced that he had filed the state's first price gouging lawsuit of the coronavirus crisis against Charlotte-based A1 Towing Solutions, Inc., the owner, David Satterfield. The suit asked for restitution for truck drivers and their companies who were affected by the improper towing and booting practices. Yay, I'm going I'm to clap for that one. Honestly, it says Stein accuses A1 Towing and Satterf- Satterfield of violating North Carolina prices, gouging statute, and engaging in deceptive trade practices and unfair debt collection practices during the coronavirus emergency. The lawsuit says that A1 Towing and Satterfield improperly and predatorily... They hunted them down. Right, exactly. Predatorily. They hunted them down, booted and towed trucks hauling food, water, bleach, and needed medical supplies in spite of the fact that the truck drivers had obtained permission from property owners to park. So not only are these scumbags hitting people, you know, unaware that they ain't supposed to be in the parking lot, but now you got truck drivers that are in parking lots that they have the permission. You got to be a one dirtbag to not let a trucker park in this pandemic, especially. Okay. These guys had permission, right. To do this, Mm -hmm. to park. Mm -hmm. And yet, these, this tow truck company came in and said, you know, I've never seen t- drivers park there before. I'm just going to go boot them. And, and they char- they're charging these truckers up to $4,400 to, to get their truck back. Yeah, that's I mean, you want to talk about a bunch of crap. It's, it's horrible. It is horrible. It says these improper booting and towing actions led to the, to the delay in the delivery of critically needed supplies, Stein said. Stein has also obtained a restraining order. This is what I love. It says Stein has also re, uh, uh, obtained a restraining order that prevents A1 towing and Satterfield from towing or booting any vehicles until court hearing. So... If, if 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 they're smart and you know how they can push things back and delay it, mm-hmm. they could delay this guy for up to a year before he even goes to court, and it's illegal now for him to even hook up to, yeah. to anybody and tell him because of because of him price gouging. Yeah, they're figuring you know what you got all that extra money from these drivers. Absolutely, we're gonna take that back out your pocket now because you can't do anything, and then at the end you're gonna pay restitution back to these drivers and these companies. You know, we asked everybody in the trucking industry had asked for help for letting these drivers sleep to help them obtain food because there was no way for them to get it. I'm amazed. All that, these different things yeah. that the country had came out, like there's people that came out and were, were holding signs, turn here for your shower and some food. You know, like they were sitting there trying to really help these truck drivers because they knew how important these drivers are. And this company... But anybody with greed, though, doesn't see the importance in anybody. What they see is a dollar to a greedy man, okay? They don't see you as 
a charity case. They see you as opportunity. That's how the wolves work. That's how towing companies work. What I'm saying, though, is everybody came out to do this, and this guy just turned it around and right. thought of his better opportunity. Is that what you were trying to say, right. too? Exactly. Yeah. I'm going to capitalize on some, like, here I got a poor, tired trucker. He's 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 unsuspecting. He's so tired, I can't wait. That's the predatory part in it. Exactly. They know what they're doing. They're not stupid. It says the law specifically... Uh, named four truckers who had been improperly booted and towed. It said um, there was a truck driver that had reportedly parked overnight at a Home Depot in Charlotte with express permission from the store manager. Mm-hmm. You hear that? Express permission from the store manager to be there. It says when he arrived at the lot before 5 a.m. on the morning of March 30th to pick up and deliver a load of medical supplies of all things his truck was missing from the lot it said the driver later learned that his truck had been towed by a1 towing the company charged him two thousand dollars to release his truck from the impound lot the truck wasn't released until 4 45 p.m that day on the 30th and it said um meaning that the driver had lost a whole day of driving and delayed the delivering of two loads of medical supplies, according to the lawsuit. As North Carolinans uh, were waiting on critical supplies to respond to the COVID-19 pandemic, these defendants were exploiting the situation for their own profit, said Stein. Mm. Any would-be price gouger should take note. Hear that? Any would-be price gouger should take note. My office will hold you accountable for harming people in this time of crisis. It says, if you've been a victim of price gouging in the state of North Carolina during the pandemic, you are asked to uh, report the incident. So contact North Carolina officials, attorney general's office, go online. It's easy to find them, their .gov site or whatever. And report it, call it in, whatever you have to do. I don't care if it's fuel price. Well, nobody's gouging fuel prices because they're all going down. But if if you got a store that's holding off on um, uh, certain items, okay. We, you and I, were at a, a a drug store the other day. What was that name of that drug store? CVS. Walgreens. Well, I'm sorry. It's not CVS. <laughs> X the CVS thing. No, it's Walgreens. We mm-hmm. were at Walgreens. I did a video of it. I don't care. I'll say it. And we we literally, because it says you can order stuff in the drive-thru, right? And we said, hey. Um, it even had hand sanitizer on there. Right. It said, there, we, you know, hand sanitizer, all this. And so we asked them, do you have any hand sanitizer? And we had asked them for the last couple of weeks. And they said, nope, we haven't gotten any in for a long time. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And then what was sitting right there behind the girl? We looked over, and there was a fresh bottle, like a half a gallon or whatever it was, that was just open, Walgreens sanitizer. So 100%, I have the video on my phone, and, and I even sent it to Walgreens, and I said, hey. I said, what's up with this? Your people are telling everybody that there's no sanitizer coming in, and there's a fresh bottle right there. They just cracked on the, on, on the counter. I mean, I understand they need it too, but um, if you're saying you haven't gotten any in in a long time, uh, the, only, the only thing that could have been is if they stocked, that they bought a bunch for themselves, but did they? So, anyways, hey, 
is what it is. Are you itchy? I had an itchy eye. You had an itchy eye. Yeah. So. But anyways, going back to the 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 booting thing. Um, hey, hey, for for good for North, North Carolina. Carolina State Attorney State General. That's that's awesome that he's standing up for his state like that. Yeah, good for North Carolina, and good for anybody that is uh, uh, stopping people from profiting on everybody's, you know. Uh, downfall lost. Ruth, then you're smiling. What do you got? Well, all I can imagine is that 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 companies, you know, when they open up that first, you, you know, you see on the outside of the letter, you know, return address, attorney, state general, which they probably actually had the police, you know, handed over to him. You're served, you know, if you think about it. But can you imagine his face when he opened it up and seen his charges and that it's from the state general, not just some random lawyer? Can, can you imagine that? No. I mean that would that would be scary. I, I would think, think it would be. You know what I mean? That's like that's that's pretty good stuff. So, anyways, it is coming to the end here. Unless you got something, uh, you, do you have a word of the day? I do. Oh, you do. What do you got? What is the word of the day? What's it called? Is it a good one? Um. Yeah. I mean, I think it is. Oh well. I mean, I think all my words are good. Yeah. Playing it. Um, yeah, I'm going to play it because I might pronounce it differently because I've got a really stupid way of saying words sometimes, so. Chiffonade. Barely even. Chiffonade. Chiffonade? Chiffonade. See, I wouldn't have said that. Spell I would have said chiffonade. Spell it. Oh, it's, it is C-H-I-F-F-O-N-A-D-E. Chiffonade? Yeah. yeah, and you said spell it. Not okay, s- let's hear the definition. The definition is a preparation of shredded or finely cut leaf vegetables used as a garnish for soup. So you could tell them, hold the chiffonade, please. Chiffonade. I don't, I don't want my parsley on my soup this time. Please just keep that chiffonade to yourself. Can you please pass the jelly? <laughs> you that commercial. Yeah. What was that for? All fruit. Or what was it called? Po- was it polliners? No, no. Or? It was like, um, can you please pass the jelly? What the hell was that? It was a... It was. Uh, oh, I think it was all fruit. Yeah, I think it was called all fruit. Or so, the or the Dijonais commercial. So you can now that you have the word chiffonade, mm-hmm. you can go into a any place that has like a little garnish on the soup. You said it's for garnish for the soup. Yeah. Or is that just the example? Well, no. It says used as a garnish for soup. It's finely cut leaf vegetables, and then it, so comma like, used it, as a garnish for soup. So it's like when they take that little thing of like a little sprig and they put it on the side there for a little fanciness. Mm-hmm. So if, if you can remember the word chiffonade, you could blow the waiter's mind. If you, like you said, can I, could I get some lobster bisque and please hold the chiffonade? Mm-hmm. The what, sir? The chiffonade. Yeah, exactly. Or yeah. you could say, what, what do you put, what, what's your chiffonade on top of that? Please? Exactly. You could say, what, what's the chiffonade with the soup today? And if they say it's basil, then you'd say, okay, yeah, I like basil. But I, if they say parsley, yeah. say, no, I don't want any parsley. Then the waiter's not going to know what chiffonade is. No, I, I know, know that. Yeah. But you have to let them go and do their, go all the way back to the chef and ask them that question and then come all the way back. It's like a bug's buggy. <laughs> I'll tell you where you're really where you want to do it is like at Denny's. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's all, you know, the redneck Bob Evans. Hey, where's the chiffonade? Okay. All right. I'm out of here. Peace. Peace. Praise the Lord.